we're baptising five folk this morning. And the folk that are getting baptised, I'm kind of uh, talking to you guys. I'm just looking where I, can, where I can see them all, actually. Oh, yes, I can see them all now. So you're being baptised because they're doing what Jesus has taught us to do. It's a command. So for each of our candidates today, that are being, they're being obedient to God. And I thought it would be helpful um, to understand about the word baptism. We did a dedication last week. So a dedication is, um, is something where we bring our children um, before God and we ask God to thank, we thank God for them and we ask God to bless them, okay? Which is very different to baptism. For baptism, we are, they are confessing Christ as their Lord and Saviour. Okay? They have chosen Jesus as their Lord and that's their belief. Okay? And so when we, we lie them down in the tank, okay? completely, full immersion, you can see why we don't do it with children, okay? and then we bring them back up again. And in that sense, it's almost like the um, tank is almost a bit like a coffin, that you go down, die to your old self, and you come up as a new creation, okay? That's what it represents. Jesus got baptised himself. And when he was baptised by John, after he'd been baptised, the dove rested on him and the dove was the representation of the Holy Spirit. And although some of our our folk have had a sense of the presence of the Holy Spirit, we're praying that God just really blesses them, yeah, and really anoints them. This is a marker in their journey. You know, sometimes when you're in a journey and sometimes you you put a marker down and uh, they use that phrase as like an Ebenezer that you, you almost build up a marker or stones and that's where... And, Baptism is one of those. It's one of those marks in the journey, okay? It's not the complete thing, okay? So, I created an acrostic, okay, for baptism. So, we've got our words down the, down the side, and I'm just going to go through the words. So, you, know how it, you can see how quick we're going to go through, can't you? So, I'm not going to keep you forever, because I haven't got long on each one. You'll be reassured to know, Okay? Okay, so B is for belief. You're choosing and you've made a choice to invite Jesus into your life. And that's your belief. You're choosing the Bible. You're choosing the Father. You're choosing to listen to the Holy Spirit. And you know, it makes God happy. The Father chose you, each of you, before the world began. And he sent his only son to die just for you. And he gave each of us complete free will. No strings attached. And for you to choose him is so wonderful for you and your life. But it also thrills God. It thrills him. John chapter 6 says... Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall not thirst. John 7 says, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. 
In Ephesians, it says, In him also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. You believe. And that means it changes things. Your belief in God changes your future, your course. Just as a ship adjusts its course to a navigation point, winds and weather affect what, how the, the destination. That's what happens. The winds come and you've set your course, but it pulls you off. But in actual fact, you choosing him means that your trajectory point will plot a course and God will navigate you to it. The difference is, is that God takes into account the high winds and the buffets through tough times. He gets that. And he will make sure that you get to the right point if you keep on trusting him and believing in him. So, A is for adjust. You've chosen Jesus and that means at times you will need to make choices that are challenging with honesty and integrity and full of grace. You'll need to offer forgiveness, learn patience, standing up for Jesus, which may mean at times that you feel like your own reputation is lost. In Zephaniah it says... Chapter 3, for at that time I will change the speech of peoples to a pure speech. God wants to change you. And that all of them may call upon the name of the Lord and serve them with one accord. In 2 Samuel it says, then David arose from the earth, washed and anointed himself and changed his clothes. And he went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. Did you hear that? He was washed and changed. That's a proper black country phrase, I think. You hear him say, washed and changed, don't you? Washed and changed. I'm just going to get me washed and changed. You heard him say that? That's a proper, uh, well, they might say to other places, Ron's he's frowning at you and goes, I don't know where she lives. It's not in my house. It is. I've heard him say it loads. I've just got to get washed and changed, okay? And that's what God's doing. God is going to wash you and change you. But it's not once. It's over and over and over and over. Folk in here will confirm that from baptism you don't become holy. Those of you that have been baptised, have you become holy completely? No. No, you don't. You haven't arrived. It is part of the journey. And whatever comes and knocks you down, you have to keep getting back up again. You have to keep getting washed and changed. Okay? We don't stay the same. We get washed and we get changed. So we have to adjust. And we have to let God change us, transform our thinking to become just like him. Okay? And how do we do that? How do we become more like him? We read his Bible. He wrote for us. We watch and copy people that are more mature and further on in their journey with God. 
and you allow yourself to be washed in his love and forgiveness and be changed over and over again. P. P is for prayer. It says in Acts, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Prayer is your lifeline. You need to pray all the time so that prayer becomes part of your everyday. Talk to your Father in heaven. Chat to him about everything. He is so interested in you and your circumstances and your life and he loves you. Talk to him. 1 Chronicles chapter 17 says, Then the king of David went in and sat before the Lord and said, I love that. I read that and I was like that. You know, sometimes when you read a bit of something and you think, yeah, he went in before the Lord and he sat and he said. So that means he was obviously comfortable because he sat down, right? Because wherever we go, sometimes you have to stand around, don't you? You're standing around earlier. But those of you that were sensible went and found a seat and sat at the bench, didn't you? Or you came in here and found a seat and you sat down because you're more comfortable when you sit. So that means that God is he's beckoning you into his presence. Sit down and pray. He sat before the Lord. But as well as talking... It's not a relationship unless you listen. I remember a young person saying to me once when they'd had uh, a new um, bow. I'm not going to say. I've been in youth leadership for a long time, so it could be anybody. But um, they said to me, um, I said, how's it going? Well, it's not that great. And I said, why? And they said, well... And they ever talk about themselves. They haven't asked me once anything. They go on about this and on about that and on about t'other. They don't once, they haven't once asked me anything about me. And you know, we need to learn to do that in our relationship with our Heavenly Father. That we're not just constantly asking, 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 asking. But sometimes we have to shush and wait for his response. But that takes quite a lot of discipline and quite a bit of practice. And you've got to learn what his voice sounds like. But you know what? It is so worth building up and learning to listen because when you hear from God and when you know that it's God speaking it brings such confidence and it brings such excitement when you know that God's speaking it's just it's better than anything because you just feel so amazing when you know that you've heard God and when you've been obedient and done what he's asked Philippians 4 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And when you talk to him, 
And when you know that he's listening and you really know that he's actively listening, fear goes and you can rest with peace. And that doesn't mean that the circumstances and the situations become a doddle and easy to cope with, but you can leave the stuff with him and ask him to help you to trust him in difficult situations. So, T. So B was for belief, yeah? A was for adjust. P was for prayer. T is for transformation. We need God to transform our thinking and our mindset. And he asks us to become countercultural, to love our enemies. Our people in the world think that's stupid. What, you love your enemies? Yeah. <laughs> Be stupid. They've done something against me, I'll do it back. Or I'll do it ten times worse. But God says no. You show them love. Love, love, and love. And it goes against the grain. And like I said earlier, you can look like you're a bit foolish. Or you can look like you're the one that hasn't got that, you know, I can stand up for myself. Sometimes you can come off where you look a bit like you can't stand up for yourself. Because you're offering that sense of, you know, kindness and generosity, even though... People have done some terrible things to you. But God says, no. You show love. You show love. Be countercultural. Show grace and kindness to those that would seek to harm you. And that's difficult. It's difficult in schools. It's difficult in school life. I know it's difficult in school life. When I speak to young people, and it's hard because... What we generally teach is if they poke you, you poke them back, don't we? It's hard, it's difficult, it's really difficult. But we're meant to become more like Jesus and Jesus is our example of how to live and it's Jesus that we're meant to look like. We're meant to have his characteristics, the family characteristics. We see families in here, don't we? And we see family characteristics. They'll say to me, um, uh, when they've seen my kids in my job, they'll go, oh, he's just like his dad and she's just like you. They're just like you. They have family characteristics. You know what I think is a real, that would be the highest, highest accolade, is if somebody said, to any one of us, you look just like Jesus. You look just like your Heavenly Father. Wouldn't that be amazing? For somebody to say, you are just like God. You have got his characteristics. That that's exactly what God would do in that circumstances. That, that would just be such an honour. Romans 12, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that be testing, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. Romans 8 says, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. 
For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. No matter how much it feels like everyone else is winning and you serving God's way is not winning, that's a lie from the enemy because God will win. And he brings you through in all circumstances. Remember, you've changed your course and you're choosing to become like Jesus. And that means your desires will change. And remember that Jesus came that you might have life and have it to the full. And he wants to give you his peace in your mind so that you can be transformed. I is for invite. Invite Jesus into your every day every day. Hebrews 11, and without faith it's impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Invite Jesus into your every day. In your head, ask the question, what would Jesus do? There was a time where everybody used to wear bracelets or a necklace with WJW what would Jesus do okay and it kind of was really fashionable and then it kind of it was suddenly wasn't cool anymore but we need to ask the question what would Jesus do you could be at school you could be at the shops you could be at work and ask Jesus what would you do and then do what Jesus would do Find out what he, what he would do and then you do it. It's not, it's not hard. Okay? And when you're reading the Bible and struggling to understand, ask the Holy Spirit, can you help me? Can you help me understand what I'm reading? He doesn't want to leave you stranded. He wants to help you. It says in Luke 24, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. In Acts 28, it says he'd come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot. He was reading the prophet Isaiah, and the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join his chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I understand unless someone guides me? And so he invited Philip to come up and to sit with him. If you don't get somebody, something, ask the Holy Spirit to help you. And ask others to help you understand. The Holy Spirit will help you. He loves to help you know the Father, to be like Jesus. And the Holy Spirit will equip you. S, we're nearly there. S is for C. See God at work. See what God is doing in your life and in your circumstances and notice what he's doing. There are many times where sometimes we, we need to just stop and pause and see God at work. Romans 12, rejoice in God, be patient in tribulation and be constant in prayer. 2 Corinthians, and you are helping us by praying for us that when many people give thanks because God has graciously answered many prayers for our safety. Sometimes we can have such a huge list of requests that we forget to see what he's done and what he's doing. 
At times, he's developing your character. Sometimes we have to just wait or hang on. Other times, we have answers to prayers. There are times where we've just got through one hurdle and we become so busy dealing with the next, we forget what God has already done. Stop, pause, give thanks, and see he is at work in your life and in those around you. M. M is for move. Move into what he's calling you to. Okay? Move into what he's calling you to. Ephesians 1. For this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, you won't stay in the same place. He'll move you. He'll lead you. He'll give you the gift of helps, the gift of support. He'll move you into ministry, into leadership. God will move you to help others, not only those within the church, but those outside, reaching out wherever he places you. Philippians 1 verse 9 says, And it's my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and discernment. Move. By very definition of the word, it's an action. Move is a verb. And a verb is a doing word. Jesus calls you to do what he does. Feed the hungry, clothe the naked, pray for the sick, forgive, show kindness, be merciful and pray. So that's it. As you're acrostic to help you when you're thinking back of your baptism, baptism, your belief, Keep adjusting. Make sure that you pray. Be transformed. Invite God in. See what he's doing in your life and move into what he's calling you to do. So that's it. That's my talk finished. Okay? I'm going to 